It's time for Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries, Thursday weekly discussion with Thomas and Denise. We are the Walkers, inspiring souls and removing the mask through the Word of God. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel at Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries and join our Anchor Podcast channel. And now join us for another enjoyable evening. God bless. Amen. Amen. God bless. And thank you all for joining again. This is Elder Thomas Walker in Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries. My wife, Minister Denise, is away on assignment and we pray all is well. But this is the day the Lord has made and let us rejoice and be glad in it. Well, I'm so glad that you all uh, joined with us tonight. Uh, we're finishing up the Old Testament series that we were recently talking about. The last week we we spoke about uh, Malachi, the fourth chapter, which was the very last chapter of the Old Testament or the last book. And also it talked about how the children of Israel, the character of who they were and how they felt leading into this moment when they returned back to Jerusalem. Well, they were, they promised God that they would, would keep his statutes. They promised him that they, that they would do his will. They promised him that they would, um, adhere to the covenants. But as time went on, after they arrived in Jerusalem from exile, um, they, they decided to just do what they wanted to do. And they did detestable things in the sight of the Lord. They had promised God. They said, God, we will not intermarry. We will not serve other gods. We will not put no other thing before you. We are your people. We, we love you, God. Thank you. They did, they, they, they did all of that. And they said all of those things and they probably meant it at that time. But as the time and the years went forward, they became disgruntled with God. And in, in their being disgruntled, you know, they lashed out at him. And they lashed out to the point where it displeased God. So God, um, for all intents and purposes, God decided not to talk to them anymore. So uh, that... Malachi essentially was the last prophet to hear from God. So now we're going into the period where what scholars call and other uh, people that read the Bible um, indicate these 400 years as the years of silence or as other people identify it as, it's the intertestamental period. That means it's the time in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in that time, there's a lot of things that transitioned in the children of Israel's life because God no longer spoke with them. He no longer sent prophets. He no, no longer sent a word. He no longer spoke directly to a leader or the leadership to tell them what he desired from them. And I want to talk about how that affects uh, everyone. You know, like in our lives today, 
when we have a relationship with God and we have built uh, a relationship of prayer and praise and worship to him and somewhere down the road, we get to the place where we no longer praise or worship God. We no longer uh, pray for uh, his blessings or pray to give him thanks. So we veer away from where God wants us to go and what what his purpose and plan is. You, you know, the Bible says that he knows the thoughts that he has for us and for that, for us to prosper and be in good health and um, and give him give you a future. So that's tw Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm paraphrasing. But he has a plan and purpose for each one of us that he created to walk on this earth. However, it's up to us to continue to walk the path and the purpose that God has given us. And when we have built a, a relationship with God through his son, Jesus, then that should not be a hard thing to do. Just like the children of Israel, it should not have been a hard thing for them to do because in their prayer, in the book of Nehemiah, they outlined everything bad that they had done, their ancestors had did to disobey God. And they came to a place where they wanted to be forgiven. And in their wanting to be forgiven, that's where they made the new uh, covenant with God, saying that, hey, you know, I'm not going to do this. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do the other. We thank you for leading us from the, the the exile, from captivity. We thank you for leading us through the wilderness. So all of those things, they were given thanks and praise for. So now they went to this other, well, we're not going to do this. But later they, uh, what other people say, they reneged on what they had promised God. Excuse me. When that happens, then when we find ourselves like the children of Israel, because what I love about the Old Testament and the intertestamental period is because it shows that there's nothing new under the sun. We all are going to go through a phase like the children of Israel did in their lives. We are all going to get to a place where God doesn't speak to us the way he used to, or God doesn't reveal um, his plans like he used to, or the, the messages of hope and encouragement and salvation isn't always readily available for you to hear. That's why God says for us to hide our, his word in our hearts so that we won't sin against him. See, the children of Israel, they didn't know that at the time. Well, I'd say they knew it, but they didn't want to adhere to it because they were being uh, distracted. They were being constantly distracted and bombarded with, with idol God, idol worship, Baal worship. The other people around them was distracting them from understanding that they were brought up through the world for a purpose with us as believers today. We have to get to that place where the distractions that led to the silence of the children of Israel 
doesn't become our future, doesn't become our present. Because here in the Bible, it is showing us that there is a time when God can stop talking to you and pretty much leave you to your own devices. Now, when that happened, or if that happens, what do you do about it? How do you do you become reconciled back to hearing God's voice? How do you identify that moment when God stops speaking to you? And what do you feel? How do you feel about it? Do you would you feel angry? Would you feel upset? Would you feel abandoned? Or would you feel as if you deserve that God would turn his back on you? That's something that each one of us have to look at as an individual and individually looking at these things. You see, it helps you to identify and understand who you are as a believer, who you are as a worshiper and a praiser of God. See, we we can we can go to church every day. We can go to you could we could worship and praise God all day long. We could do all those things. We could have the outward appearance of holiness and sanctification. But are we really hearing and and understanding and getting revelation from God through the Holy Spirit that indwells within us? Are we really connected that greatly? to the point where his word is hidden in our hearts and we are not sinning against him. The children of Israel, during this testamental, in a testamental period, a lot of changes went through, through their lives. See, they, they, they no longer heard God's voice. God was no longer leading them. The kings that they wanted uh, to be appointed for them to rule over them, God allowed that to happen. And in that time and in that moment, they did not have godly instructions. So some became reprobated and others turned to Baal and their worship. And But then there was a, a few that still wanted to be connected to God, but they had the they had the feeling and the thought process that they had to, to kind of uh, make it up or go on uh, oral interpretation of what the, the prophets in the past did or said. So you ever played that, that uh, game at school where one person tells one person something in the ear and by the time it gets right back around to that person that started it, what he is first mentioned is completely different than what he had initially said. So see, that's what was going on during that intertestamental period, see, because we have uh, what was called the scribes that rose up in the ranks because they, the scribes were the people that normally wrote this, the scriptures and, and translated, and they were the keepers of the scriptures of, of the Torah and the fourth, you know, so, Everybody looked to them because they were the keepers of, of the word, but did they have the spirit of God in, in them enough to interpret the word? You see, knowing the word of God is just, you know, words, black and white. You can read, you got an in intellect, you can read, you can understand, but 
to have divine revelation in the word of God, what God is saying to us, the interpretation through the Holy Spirit to help lead and guide people into all truth. That takes God, that takes the spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit, to indwell with us, within us, to be able to effectively interpret what God is saying in scripture so that we would be able to relay it in love to someone that needs to hear it. So they didn't have that. They didn't have any of that. They just had the word. So you read the word and you follow what the word. And I've heard people say that the word of God is, is, is black and white. It's black and white. What it says is what it means. Well, yeah, that is true. It is the inerrant word of God. However, you need to have a connection through the Holy Spirit that will lead you and guide you into all truth, meaning to be able to reveal the heart of God in the scriptures when you listen or when you are teaching or talking to someone in the Bible or through the Bible or with the Bible. During that time, say all they had was the scribes. And the scribes would write, get the Bible, you know, get the scriptures out and, and that they have written, and they would read it. And whatever it was, it was what it said. If God said, you know, give me 24 ox and 37 sheep, you know, they would go out there and do that, you know, because the scriptures or, or, or what they had, scribes had wrote, you know, that's what it was and that's what it was going to be. So they used the law of Moses to fill that vacuum of not hearing from God directly. See, up to this point, prophets was coming. Prophets was coming and prophets was was uh, was instructing the, the people what to do, how to turn back. But they no longer had that. So the only thing that they could fall back on was the laws of Moses. And the, the laws of Moses were the first five books of the Old Testament. You see, we can get into the Bible and we can read the first five books of the Old Testament and we can read it and then we can understand it, but to spiritually grasp what God is saying, the love in between the lines, in between the judgment, in between the commandments, you know, understanding that when God says you should have no other God before me, that's not meaning he 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 he's one of those gods that if you do, I'm gonna I'm gonna strike you or or you, you must uh, have death. No, what it means is he's made this here and he gave us a, a free will to understand it, to interpret it, to live by it. These are commands that he's saying, this is what pleases me. Now you get down the road with the first five books of the, the, the Old Testament. It gets into the blessings of obedience and curses of disobedience. Now the, it's shifted now. <laughs> now we got, uh, you know, you got curses on you if you don't obey God. Now, if you if you read and understanding this verbatim in black and white, that's what you're going to feel and see that, that if you do this, then you'll see a lot of if and then statements. God wants you to understand if and then that's true. But there's grace. But see, 
we haven't gotten to the grace part yet because we're still in the silent years. Now, see, everywhere in during this silent period, man tried to take up the slack for God's word. He tried to interpret God's word. It, he tried to, to create new uh, boundaries for man and uh, society and the culture of the, the children of Israel. And as a result, God kept sending, <laughs> sending opponents and oppositions their way to let them know. And because Alexander the Great came and he, uh, because, I mean, a lot of people don't believe that the, the Old Testament and the New Testament is actually a part of history. But when you start reading the historical value of what the Bible is and how it correlates with world history, you can see that all of that is, is tangible and all of those are, you know, connected in a way that it gives us a bigger picture from the natural and spiritual level. So when Alexander the Great um, um, conquered the Persians, you know, it, it, then the Jerusalem was under their rulership for a little while. And Alexander the Great decided to um, translate all of the, the words in the Bible and the scriptures into Greek language. So that became a, a Greek message. So now we're coming from the original written word, uh, orative, uh, passed down. Now they have to learn a new language, which is Greek. So that's incorporated into everything else. So now the Greek language is, is differently translated than the Hebrew language. Now you have two different strands of what the Bible means. Now, there's no interpretation from the Holy Spirit because God, his spirit had left. So now they're left to their own devices. So that's why sometimes you see different interpretations of the Bible. Sometimes you see different understandings. Sometimes you see different translations of the Bible. It's because, you know, the, the influence of the Holy Spirit at that time was not fully there. So we're going to get to that a little bit further down, but we're going to continue to see how the progression of the children of Israel progress negatively from there to that time. So with that being said, we're going to move forward to Hellenism. So the, the Hellenism was a, a the, was like an incorporation of the Greek uh, doctrine, a Greek way of life, and a Jewish way of life. So many of them lived outside of of um, of Judea, and so they incorporated the Hellenistic ways, meaning the, the Greeks, and they started learning uh, Greek religion, and they started incorporating Greek religion in with um, what they remembered about the Jewish customs. See, it's now these now these four hundred years now. So, with every generation and every year, the understanding of who God is and who God is and was in their lives became, you know, turned around, twisted, or it all depended on the oral interpretation. And see, the Pharisees 
they believed that the oral and written interpretations was good enough for them. And so they were like, you know, um, they wanted to observe the, the rituals and everything. So that was good. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that was what they really wanted to incorporate into the lives of the Jewish people. They wanted to ensure that they um, they were able to speak it to the people so that they would understand it. You know, so that was the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Now, you remember coming into the years of, of, of the New Testament, we understand that the Sadducees and the Pharisees were the, the ones that were in charge, basically, of the of the religious aspects of the Jewish people. But before the Pharisees and the Sadducees were um, in power or, you know, um, the main focus, there were what was called the, uh, the Hasmoneans and the Maccabean, uh, Maccabeans that were also, you know, ruled over the Jewish people. And they they were led by one person named Matthias, um, Matthias and Judas Maccabee. Um, so Judas Maccabee was called the Judas the Hammerer, meaning that you know he was the voice of the people, and and he fought against the corruption against the Jewish people, and they eventually revolted and they won. And they were able to, to live in a way that they could still worship or, or live through the Torah or the five books of the, the, the Old Testament. So that's where the Sadducees and the Pharisees came in to help them to orally say it and orally uh, keep the message of the law and keep uh, a strict rule up under them or adherence to being separated from what the Greeks and their lives was doing. See, they had the name for the Pharisees come from a, a Greek transliteration of perishium, means separated ones. So that's who they were. They were separated ones. And the way that they separated themselves was through their clothing. So they wore these different types of um, robes and different uh, phylacters and all these the, the little garments and things that they wore over themselves. And just like today, you ever notice when we are on Sunday mornings or on Easter's, you know a person that's going to church. You know why? Because they have the suit on, they have the tie on, they have a hat on, they dress really nicely because they're on their way to church. And just like with the females, they have the church mother hats on and they have nice suits and nice dresses, dressing really nicely and appropriately. We know that separated from them. They are separated from the everyday Sunday uh, movement. They are on their way to church. And everybody know by looking at them on an outward appearance that they're going to church. And that was the same way for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They had the rituals down packed and they had the, the look of being separated from everyone else. 
but they still didn't hear from God. <laughs> now that's 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 something there. Um, they still didn't hear from God, no matter how they dressed on the outward appearance, no matter how much they they felt that they knew orally what God said. They didn't get a, a direct um, impart, impartation from God. They were just going on what they on their own thoughts. And that's like us some days when we are going to church or when we are in 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 this in our worship and service and everything. Are we really hearing from God on that level? Are we really, you know, God is really speaking to us? See, it has to be an individual process. It has to be an individual relationship that we have to have with God. We cannot expect to go to church every Sunday, expect to wear the clean clothes and nice shoes and up-to-date trends, you know, and wear those things on Sunday and sit in the pews and sit in church on Sundays and whenever the door is open and you have the outward appearance of having a relationship with God, but inside, God is not speaking to you. That's your years of silence. What are you doing during your years of silence? Are you allowing someone else to interpret who God is in your life? Are you allowing the orals of social media to tell you who God is? Are you allowing, you know, mama them or daddy them, they history because they were deacons and bishops and missionaries and all those things back in their time that that automatically grafts you into the relationship with God just by birth. Are those things that the ones that's going on in your mind? Or are you really truly seeking and trying to hear the word, a word from God. Now, see, the prophets, they weren't no more. Now, just like here and nowadays, if a prophet comes to you, that's great that God have a word for you, but you have to try the spirit, test the spirit by the spirit. Every prophet that comes to you not going to be a good prophet. And every person that says they have a word for you might not have the word that God has for you. So that's where your relationship, your personal relationship with God comes in more strongly. So I would rather have a personal relationship with God and have a personal uh, devotion and a personal ritual and a personal devotion and worship with God and a personal prayer life with God where he's talking to me and, and I'm communicating and we're talking and I'm being indwelled and infilled and imparted into through the Holy Spirit. I'd rather have that than to have a Pharisee, a Sadducee, or a prophet come to me and tell me they got a word from the Lord for me. Now, I would understand if God has that, and I would understand that that is something that God can make available. However, we have to still have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and God. The children of Israel lost that personal relationship with God because God went silent on them. So on through these plans, you have the, the Maccabeans, you have the Pharisees, you have the scribes, you have the you, you know, you have the Essenes. The Essenes were uh, 
They followed everything uh, strictly. So they went from one extreme to not hearing God to saying, okay, if I change my ways and if I live accordingly to the word of God, black and white, the way it's supposed to be, the way it was written, the way I see it in the book, then God will be pleased with me. Well, you know, that 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 probably would be the case. You know, they believe that the Messiah would soon come and they would lead them in a great battle against the sons of darkness. Well, see, that's that's what many of us are being taught today, that, you know, there's going to come the time when uh, you know, we're going to trample the enemy at our feet and and um, we could speak it and name a claim a thing and and we could speak the word and those things have uh, uh, become, um, you know, we're, we're learning those things. We're hearing these things. But where's the power behind it? See, we could tell a person to do it. You could tell a person, okay, we could pray the prayer of faith and you're going to be healed. But if there's no power behind praying the prayer of faith, if there's no spiritual connection with God and the Holy Spirit through that prayer of faith, that prayer might not be answered. God might be silent in your life at that moment, at that time. So what do you do? Do you stop praying? Stop fasting, stop seeking God and go on and start looking at the psychic or start going to the medium over there or dialing a psychic hotline or, you know, go and talk to the local uh, Santeria. Do you do those things or do you continue to say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me, God. You see, the children of Israel, they began to to have a prayer life. They began to worship and praise God and they began to do those things, but it wasn't all of them. It was a remnant of them. And that remnant of who he was and who he was to them in their lives stayed with them from generation to generation as a pass down. So it wasn't, wasn't so much of the word being passed down orally. It was the spiritual connection being passed down. And that's what God wants from us, to have a spiritual connection passed down from our generation to our kids and from their kids to their kids and then from their children to their children. That's the spiritual connection that God desires. See, he had that in mind when he he uh, called Abraham out to say, I will bless your seeds from uh, generation to generation, and it'd be as far as the sands can be numbered. It would, you know, he had proposed that and made a covenant with Abraham that that would happen. And true enough, those things did come to pass. But the heart of the children of Israel, the heart of who they were and who they were created to be and the the purpose that they had on earth, it changed. And it changed because, not because God changed, it changed because their hearts changed toward God. The Bible tells us that they became stiff-necked and disobedient, and they wanted a king to rule over them. Now, those are the things that God looked upon and God was like, hold up, wait a minute. Now, wait, I done did all these things for you. I done, I done kept you out of bondage. I've done these things for you. I've shown you that I've loved you with an everlasting love because I, I did not destroy you when you disobeyed me. See, 
Another thing that we have to understand during our, our years of silence with God, God is a God of mercy always. He's a, a God of mercy and he loves you enough to, to where that he doesn't want you to perish, but to come to repentance. But if you if you're con consistently balling your fist up at God saying, ain't no God, don't know God exists. Our God is this, God is that. I don't want no, no parts of God. I don't want to be bothered with him. See, that's the same thing the children of Israel had in their minds, in their hearts. And what did God do? God stopped speaking to them. And whatever happened to them, happened to them. And it wasn't that he didn't love them and did not desire for that not to happen. It's the fact that that's what they wanted. Sometimes you have to be careful what you ask God for. You got to be careful of how you approach God and, and how you say things to God. See, when, when I was growing up in, 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 uh, in church, they said, okay, if there's something that you desire from the Lord, you know, call it out. Tell him specifically what you need. And he may answer you in faith. He may answer you in faith. But you have to call that that uh, issue or that circumstance or that situation out specifically. If you're saying, God, send me a husband. Now, he'll send you a husband, but that might be that drunk husband. That might be that abusive husband. But now, nah, nah, if you went to being specific with him, Lord, send me a husband that loved me, that will love me and not hurt me. Send me a husband that will take care of me and my kids. Send me a husband that loves to work and loves to honor and cherish me. See how the, the spe spe specifics of what you're asking God for gets narrowed down to the point where you know exactly what God is going to send. And when God send that person, you're going to see those specifics. Those specific things that you asked him, you're going to see that in that person's life. And that's how you're going to know. Now, when you, a man, when you saying, God, send me a wife that could cook and, and, and look good. Now, they might look, could cook and look good. And, you know, that's great and fine. But are they going to be faithful to you? <laughs> are they going to be happy with you? They're going to look good and they're going to probably cook. They're going to look good. And then they're going to cook your meal. Then they're going to go out to the club. <laughs> they're going to look good. And then they're going to cook your meal. And they're going to hang out with their girls. But see, you ask God for that. That's what you ask. You wasn't specific. You didn't say, God, send me a woman that has virtue, a woman that's loyal, a woman that will stay with me in my, my weakest moments. Send me a, a help meet, someone that understands me, that wants to love me and to care for me. You didn't ask those things. You got to you gotta be real specific because when you ask God for specific things, he will bless them specifically to you. But you can't go on a generation, a general thing, and say, "Well, I, I just want God to send me a send me a wife, send me a husband, send me somebody I can I can live life with." Now, you, you know the devil hit that too. He gonna he gonna send you something too, and so that's why you have to be specific in righteousness in what you're asking him to send, so that those things match the character. And the fruits of the spirit of God. See, when you're asking for a, a wife and a husband that love you, then you got 
the, the fruits of the spirit. See, there's love, kindness, joy, peace, patience, long suffering, you know, forgiveness. Those are the fruits of the spirit of God. Now the devil got that other stuff, you know, wickedness, adultery, fornication, <laughs> but anger, wrath, strife, you know. Now that's the thing that the devil is sending. But God wants to bless you. And God wanted to always uh, have a relationship with his people, which was the children of Israel. So down through the centuries of after the, the uh, Old Testament, the children of Israel encountered so many things. They saw so much and they, they, they endured so many things that was just as equally bad as the uh before the prophets stopped talking. But before the prophets stopped talking, it was their disobedience that caused so much hell and havoc to come into their lives. Now, here God is not directing them. God is not leading them. God is not trying to keep them obedient by sending prophets to tell them, turn from your wicked ways. Now, God left five books of the Torah and over interpretation and that's all they had. Now, the oral interpretation of what they may have gotten may not have been what God said. It may have been 70% of what God said and another 30% made up because somebody couldn't remember the rest of it. You know how you try to read the scriptures and say, uh, but it, like I'm going to paraphrase or, or give an example, like here, Luke 1. 13. But the angel said unto him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son and you will call him John. Now that's, that's in the scripture, right? Now, what if the oral interpretation says this, but the angel said to Zechariah, stop praying. Your wife going to have a baby and his name going to be called Felix. Now that's 70%, right? <laughs> but that 30, the main is do not be afraid. Your wife will bear a son and call him John. That's not fair. So what they're, they're looking for, they're looking for their other interpretation. But see, with God, when his words are hidden in our hearts and in our minds so that we don't sin against him, the revelation of who God is will come back to us in a natural sense to where even if we don't know all the words to the scripture, we know the feeling and the character and the spirit of the word. And that what keeps us uh, associated and closely uh, knit, knitted to what God desires for us. God desires for us to worship him in spirit and, to, and in truth. And if we love God, that's going to be the first thing that we want to do. We don't want to sin against God, even when he's not speaking to us. And there are going to be moments when you're going to feel all alone and your way is going to be lost. And you might even turn back to some of the, the vices that you have committed in your past. You may even go back down to that way, you know, down that road. But I'm here to tell you, 
just because you don't hear God's voice, that doesn't mean God's not there. He was always there. He was always, he just didn't speak to you because at some point in your life and in your time, you did this to God <laughs> and God is like, well, okay, all right. All right, I'm going to let you do this. I'm going to let you do this. But somewhere down the road, you're going to call on me. And then I'm going to answer. But, you know, you have to go through that forgiveness and that repentance part as well. Now, you know when you just say something mean and evil against God. And you know that's deep down in your spirit. And it comes back to you when bad things and calamities start coming up in your life. And it replays and replays in your mind until you get to the place where you you have to say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me, God, for saying those things. I didn't mean it. And if if that doesn't ever touch your heart to do that, then you may need to figure out when you're going to get there to ask God for forgiveness. When you're going to get there to ask God and tell God you're sorry for some of the things that you may have said and done against him so that God will, will open up lines of communications with you again. So all calamity that's going on in your life, I ask you today, were there a time in your life where you shook your fist at God? Were there a time in your life where you felt that God was not there for you or you felt like you did not need God for anything, that it was you, your pride, and what you have accomplished on this earth as an individual is what got you to where you are? See, God hears those things when you say, I, 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 I did, and I have, and we did, and I did that, and, you know, it wasn't nothing but on me. You know, like some of these people that have all these degrees and have all these the corporate jobs and, and the millionaire status and what people are considering the 1%, all of those people, where's God in that 1%? Are there boastingly talking about how they're the one percent or two percent and they are this type of man that type of woman and and all of that stuff you know where's God in it are they humble enough to say well it wasn't me but it was the Christ that lived within me or it wasn't me that did it it was God that blessed me See, when you meet people that start talking about what they have what they accumulated what they don't get then you could tell that that they, you know, <laughs> it, it's going to come a time when those things are not going to be available anymore because they're not allowing God to be God in their lives. And God already said he shall have no other God before him. So if they're putting all their stake in everything that they're doing in themselves and in their own strength, in their own education, in their own network, in their own conference, you know, and leaving God out, first and foremost, out of the equation, then when it all crumbles, then who do they turn to? Who can they turn to? And when you see that happening, when a person is so pridefully saying what they have done and what they are doing, I, 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 when you see that happening, then you, you, you keep track of them down the road. Because when they stop giving God glory and stop thanking God for the blessings that he has given us, that's, that's when all those things start to happen. When you start, cause the devil let you rise all the way up 
He'll give you everything you want your heart's desire. But like that movie, Once Upon a Time, I remember the man on there used to always say, it's going to cost you, dearie. <laughs> it's going to cost you, dearie. You know, and it will cost you because I would rather have Jesus. I would rather have a relationship with God. I would rather have peace that surpasses all understanding in my life than to chase the dream or trace, chase the vision or chase the mission without God first, fully and centered to help guide me in the way that I should go. You know, the Bible tells us, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil for thou art with me. Each day we're getting up. We're walking through something. We're enduring something. But we need God. And we need to always ask God to be with me, be with us, be with my family, be with my children as they go through. Older generations, we have to start praying for our family members, praying for their safety, praying and covering them in prayer so that God would have mercy on them wherever they are. Even if they're out there doing drugs or gang banging or hip hopping or whatever they're doing out there. <laughs> that they feel like they need to do, we still need to be covering them in prayer, still need to pray for them that God would not lift his hands off their lives. And in the interim and in return, we will continue to worship and praise him in spirit and in truth. And see, that's what God wanted from them all the way down through those generations. And eventually they got to that place where there was a remnant of people that believed and still worship God. God said he was going to keep a remnant of his people and not destroy all of them. And that remnant still kept a close relationship with God. They still worship him in spirit and in truth. And they still desire to have a relationship with God. So God made provisions. And this is what the first time that happened. This is an angel. In Luke 1st chapter 13th and 17th verse, and I'm going to read this correctly the way I paraphrased the last time. It says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Wow. Now that's, that's God's, his first, his first communication with man after the 400 years of silence. And what did he do? He said, Zachariah, don't be afraid. Your wife is going to have 
a child. His name is going to be called John, and he's going to be a joy and delight to you. You know, and that meaning that this 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 child, John, is going to have the Holy Spirit already in him. This spirit, his spirit is already going to have the empathy and compassion to preach repentance and put preparation for the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Messiah, just like the Old Testament scripture had talked. See, they everyone knew back then that there was a talk of a Messiah, but down through the 400 years, they started talking about, oh, he's going to be a, a warrior. He's going to be a deliverer that's going to slew the kings and, and all the rulers that's that's uh, that's over us, and we're going to be free of captivity in a violent way. No. This is what they're talking about. This is what God is talking about. He's sending somebody that has joy and delight in him. And he's he's uh, um, he's going to bring joy to the people and, and re bring the people back to the Lord. Meaning, John's message was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Those are the messages that John was preaching to the people when he got older and started his ministry. And see, that's what God wants us to do. And in closing, if we're going through a struggle and we find ourselves in our intertestamental period, our years of silence, what are we doing about it? Are we asking God why? Are we seeking answers through prayer and fasting? You don't don't go. You don't have to go to a, a prophet, or because a prophet might not be available for you. You may not get a word spoken to you when calamity is going down all over around you and in your family. That's why you come together, like that remnant of people, like Zachariah and Elizabeth. They were probably praying and still uh, fasting and praying and seeking God in the right way. And that's what I encourage you all to do. When things are going rough in your life, pray. Get on your knees and pray. God might not hear you, but if you're faithful to pray to him and with your whole heart and in spirit and in truth, and you continue to build that, show God that you're committed to wanting a relationship with him, then he would answer you. He, he will, You would find him where you may have lost them. When you put that much commitment and effort and love into reconnecting with him, and you start seeing that your dark clouds and the darkness is going to start to roll away, and the things that that hurt you and the things that made you feel bad will be replaced with feelings of joy and peace. So I encourage everyone, do not allow your years of silence to completely ostracize you from God. Do not allow the years that you may not hear God's voice or the years that you're not prepared to hear God's voice keep you away from wanting a relationship with him. Don't get uh, mixed up in the doctrines or the denominational things that that's a, that are out there, even the religious and occulted things that are going on out there in the world that try to gain people's hearts and minds to worship and praise in a way that they want to. God knows your heart. He knows your your 
your existence. He knows what you need. All you have to do is sincerely call out to him and pray. Sincerely, consistently, and committedly build a relationship with him. That means, you know, reading the Bible. You could take the time to read the Bible on your own. You could take the time to, to read the scriptures and pray. Seek inspirational understanding, inspirational books and messages that talks about God. You know, seek those things. Keep your mind and heart stayed in a place of worship to God. And how does that happen? That happens by you, you remembering that you owe God everything and all you can be and want to be. You want to give yourself to him. And in return, he will he would be there. He would answer your prayer and he would make your way straight. But if you allow different entities, different things to distract you from building that personal relationship, then you're going to have some silent days. You're going to have some dark days. But when you have that relationship with God and you accept this son, Jesus, as your personal savior, you have to believe those two things. God is, is the Father. Jesus is the Son. And the Holy Spirit seals us to the day of redemption. We have to, or you have to believe that deep down in your heart. And then seek a relationship with God. And seek a relationship with understanding Jesus Christ, his Son. And the only way you could do that is if you're fully committed to, to loving God and fully committed to wanting to learn who Jesus Christ is and accept the, the payment that he paid for us. He's the atonement for the sins of all mankind. And now you allow the Holy Spirit to indwell in your heart and in your mind and in your soul so that the things that you're learning through the Bible, through the word of God, the, the gifts of the spirit and the fruits of the spirit, those things are dwelling within you. <laughs> Those things are working in you. And then you can identify what the works of the flesh are. And when you work on a work of the flesh and the uh, acts of disobedience or, or the curses of disobedience, when you are able to identify all four of those paradigms in the Bible, then you would be able to fully concentrate and walk in a way that pleases God. Because it's not about your neighbor. It's not about your, your your friend or your cousin or your mom and them or your daddy and them and all of them. It's not about them in that moment when you're looking for God, when you're looking for answers. It's about you, your relationship and your answers with God. So don't try to bring people along on your journey because your journey has to be ironed out and laid out first by you. You have to create the path. And you have to walk with God in a way that pleases him so that you can show people how to overcome by the word of your testimony, how God delivered you, how God set you free, how God been there for you and your testimony and people seeing the change in your life will encourage them to want to know who Jesus is. And with all of that, now we're able to move into the New Testament of understanding what grace is, being justified by faith, understanding the meaning why Christians celebrate Christians, uh, Christmas, and 
uh, the significance of that. Now, we know that there are some paganistic understandings and whatever the dynamics about that, but we're talking about from a, a Christian aspect of just celebrating the birth of Jesus, celebrating his birth. And, 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 and that's what's important, especially during these holiday seasons and all of these things that come up. You know, we could be in the world, but we don't have to be of the world. And that's what God wants us to, to be that example of his will, be that example of his love, be that example of his mercy, and be that example of his grace to all mankind. So I encourage you all, and I thank you all for joining us tonight. I pray that you all have received something about these years of silence. Remember, the years of silence don't have to be hard for you. It don't have to be long for you, but it can be a connection to hope if you allow yourself to believe in hope that God is still with you. God will be there for you when you build a relationship, a personal relationship with him. Amen. So you all have a, a blessed night, and I pray for each and every veteran out there that have served their country. I want to say happy Veterans Day to you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your sacrifice. And the parents and the, the fathers and mothers and the cousins that have veterans that have sacrificed all, we pray that during this day, during this time, that God will bring you comfort and peace. But with that being said, I also want to say uh, God bless you and thank you all for joining with us tonight. Um, we love you all and God loves you. And we pray that all is well. Don't forget to subscribe to us or look out, reach out to us, or send us an email, Facebook, text, or whichever way. Um, visit our website, www.reflectionsofgraceoutreachministries.org, uh, or look us up, Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries. Okay, so with that being said, I want to say good night to you all, and I love you all, and have a good night. Father, we thank you for another day. We thank you that you have been so good to each and every one of us. Lord, we ask you to bless those and watch over those that are traveling, those that are in travel, those that have to travel during these holiday periods. We ask you to keep them safe. We ask you, Lord, let no harm or hurt or danger befall them. Those that are under the sound of my voice, I ask you to heal them where they may be sick. Repair them where they may be broken. And be with them when they may be alone. We ask you, Lord, to strengthen the hearts and the minds of each and every one of us. We love you, Father, and we thank you, and we bless your name. We know that we can do nothing without you. But with you, all things are possible. I ask you, Lord, to strengthen those students, strengthen those teachers, strengthen the workers, strengthen the politicians, Strengthen everyone to have purpose and, and mission on this earth, to do your will, to turn to you for guidance. Lord, we've been in our own strength. We've been doing things our own way. But Lord, we ask you to be with us, to intercede for each and every one of us, to strengthen our hearts and our minds, to be more 
like you and to have your word indwell in our hearts. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit to dwell and lead us and guide us into all truth. Those that are on the line that are going through a struggle, that are going through mental illness or physical handicaps, or don't know where the next meal is coming from. I ask you, Lord, to send comfort and peace and send healing so that they may feel and come to know you as their personal Savior. Lord, we know nothing is too hard for you. And with you, all things can be made true. And we bless your name. We bless your son, Jesus, for all of his sacrifice that he's done for us, dying on the cross as an atonement for our sins. We ask you, Lord, to come into our hearts and be with us in peace and in love. We know that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And we call on you today, God, to be our God as we be your people. We love you and we bless your name. Now be with us, Lord. Keep us safe. Keep our families safe wherever they may be. Heal us. Deliver us and set us free from those vices, Father. We know that you can take the taste out of our mouth and the will out of our heart. So, Lord, we thank you and we bless your name in advance for what you're going to do. Give us the prosperity that you see fit for us to have and bless us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, God bless you all. And I want you all to have a good night. Remember, if you see a vet, thank him for his service. When you know a vet's parent, thank them for their service as well. We bless your name and we thank you and you all have a blessed night.